job. Way to go. Give it up for him one more time. Now, when we're singing Days of Elijah, some of you want to jump, jump, feel free to jump, jump. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here. If this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. Uh, there should have been a bulletin where you are uh, sitting. If you'll just take that, fill out the guest section and put it in the little box on the way out in the foyer. That's where you can also, members, put your, uh, your tithe and your offering as well right there um, in that box. Before we uh, continue our worship, uh, let me just take a moment to say thank you to uh, some people uh, who made this past week of, of Bible school possible. Uh, I know it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the week I think that we all wanted it to be, to be up here to actually see kids face-to-face and love on them and hang out with them, but uh, it was still an incredible week, and if you had not checked out the, those videos, trust me, you want to do that this week. So uh, first of all, there were a lot of people who spent a lot of time up here last Sunday. Uh, some of you came up here Monday to help pack the bags. You helped take down some decorations. Some of you were up here Tuesday passing those bags out, so I, I wasn't over here the entire time. I didn't see everybody that was doing that, but if you were one of those uh, thank you very much for doing that. Uh, if you watch the video, some of this will make sense to you. If you did not watch the video, then you want to go watch the video. So let me give a special shout out to our village people, uh, Lindsay, Alexa, and Miss Kelsey. So uh, their dance moves, uh, it was impressive. And of course, Mr. Chris, who was our rapper. Uh, in the Mystery Island video. Don't want to forget him. Uh, every night in the video we had uh, science, uh, and so Miss Kelsey uh, did that as well. So she can not only dance, but she knows science as well. So Miss Kelsey, give it up for her. That was, that was Bunsen, by the way. And then Beaker, we had a lot of different Beakers. Some of our Beakers actually talked, 
Some of them talked like Beaker, and one of them just shook her head the whole time. Didn't say a word. So it was, it was awesome. So we had Miss Gina, who also did all the crafts. So give it up for Miss Gina. Did an awesome job with that. So I appreciate that. Lindsay, uh, Micah, and Brooklyn were also Beakers at different times. So uh, again, if you're like, what are you talking about? Go watch the video. Um, a lot of fun. So our youth, Pastor BJ did a phenomenal job uh, every night of just doing the Bible story of communicating gospel truth to our students. Um, if you're sixth, seventh, or eighth grade and you did not check that out this past week, watch it. I mean, you're going to learn about who God is and it'll draw you closer to him. So, so BJ did a phenomenal job with that. Uh, David and Andy uh, also helped out with that. David did a devotion one night. Uh, Isabella. Uh, had a huge role in that, and Eli made an appearance on Wednesday night's video that cracked me up, so uh, he's over there waving his hand, um, and then Micah also helped out, Isabella and Micah uh, did, did the crafts, and so that was a lot of fun, and then let me, let me give a special shout out to, uh, to six people who uh, did phenomenal work this past week, um, Tripp uh, and Rachel uh, so thankful for them. Trip did a lot of some of the editing and recording and, and all of that good stuff. Rachel, obviously every year you all know, does so much with, with Bible school. Uh, Brian and Alexa. Uh, Brian, I don't know how much time Brian spent in editing all of that stuff together. Alexa was up here a ton helping out. So a special shout out to them. And of course, uh, Pastor BJ and Lindsay as well. Uh, and all that they do did phenomenal work. So if you did not watch the video, I'm telling you, you want to watch it for at least the first three or four minutes of every night. And the, the rest is okay. The lighthouse keeper, he was mediocre. You don't really have to pay attention to him. But um, the first part, uh, BJ, Jimmy Gallon, and Brian, who was Dustin Timberpond, and all of their puns that you guys know so well that I'm learning that I can't keep up with their pun game whatsoever. Uh, they did a phenomenal job of, of trying to make it fun and, and trying to bring and engage parents who will stick around and would hear about who God is and, and hang in there with their kids. And so you will laugh, I promise you. And Brian had a special treat uh, that I was not aware of on day five at the very end with some outtakes at my expense. Um, and I have many titles and many names. If you will just watch the video, you will find that out. So thank you all so much for, for all that you guys have done to, to make that a phenomenal week. And I pray next year uh, we can be right back here on site doing Bible school the way that, that we like to do that. So let me pray. And while I'm praying, the praise team is going to come and then we're going to worship together. Father God, we thank you for an amazing week. Lord, I just mentioned a lot of people's names, and, and there may be some, some people that I didn't mention by name, God, that had a, a part to play as well, kind of behind the scenes, Lord, that maybe I'm not even aware of. Um, and Lord, I'm just so thankful for all the time and all the effort that went in uh, to this week. Lord, it, it wasn't what we had envisioned a year ago, maybe six months ago, maybe even a couple weeks ago. But Lord, I do believe it was the best decision uh, to make. And Lord, I do believe that, that you still bless that. And Lord, I know that people heard about who God is as a result of that. God, you are great and you are almighty and you are ruler and you are Emmanuel, God with us, and you are trustworthy and you are worthy of our praise. And, and Lord, we pray that this past week you, you received that praise from the kids that helped me 
and record my videos to everyone who helped in some capacity. Lord, may it result in people having heard of who Jesus is and people even, even coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, as we worship you this morning, oh God, may we just pour our hearts out to you. May we come honestly before you, pouring our hearts out before you, and lifting you up because you are worthy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said? Amen. If you'll stand, let's worship together. Yes, let's stand together. Uh, we thank God for the story we get to tell, and we get the kids to tell that story too. Let's all pray. Jubilee, and out of Zion 
comes right from Psalm 42, which are the very words that we just sang in that last song. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Would you take just a minute just to reflect upon those verses, let those verses lead you to pray, to praise, however the Spirit of God may prompt you are you thirsting after God this morning is he the deepest desire of your heart so pray right where you are and then I'll pray over us
God, we all come thirsty. Every one of us is thirsting after something. We're seeking to be satisfied with something. Jesus, this morning, you offer us living water. That if we would drink of it, we would never thirst again. But the reality is, if we continue to run to the wells of the things of this world, it will always leave us thirsty. Fathers, we get into Psalm 42 today, we're going to see the psalmist struggling, saying his soul is cast down, wrestling deeply with some things in his life. And Father, maybe there are those here this morning or watching online, and they're going to be able to relate to the psalmist. They'll be able to relate to God, some of the, the preachers that I'm going to mention at the beginning, Lord, of the sermon, who all suffered and, and went through deep pain, and some of them even wrestling with depression themselves. Lord, people will be able to relate to that. Maybe some are in despair. God, I pray, Lord, that they will find hope today in Jesus, for he is our living hope. And we can stand upon the promises, God, of your word. But we must come and we must drink from you and the living water that you offer. So may we do that today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing Standing on the Promises of God, and you cannot sing that while sitting down. So I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time and worship with us. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God I shall prevail standing on the promises of God standing 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 on the promises of God my Savior standing 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 on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, 
standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. Remain standing if you will. Take your Bibles to Psalm 42 while you're turning there. Curtis and Ann, thank you so much for how faithfully you lead us to worship our great God. And Bill, thank you for leading us this morning um, as well. What a joy and privilege it is to worship our God. Psalm 42. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 here at the beginning. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You may be seated. I've been reading over the last couple of weeks this short book called 12 Faithful Men, Portraits of Courageous Endurance and Pastoral Ministry. And it's a pretty good read. It just tells the story of 12 faithful men who served in ministry and who experienced much suffering. And it was really interesting because there were back to back to back to back, four chapters in a row, as they were talking about four uh, godly men, most of them I was familiar with, and just how they, how they suffered. Um, the first one was Charles Simeon. And these will each appear on the screen. He was a pastor from 1759 to 1836. His first pastorate was at Holy Trinity Church. He was named the pastor of the congregation by somebody else. That's how they did it. And the congregation wanted somebody different, and they were furious. Church members locked their rented pews. I guess you had pews, and they belonged to you, and there were doors on the outside, so they were locked. So his first Sunday, they, none of them showed up. They tried to put chairs in the aisleway, and they removed them. I mean, he basically preached to an empty congregation. On one occasion, he was pelted with rotten eggs. Please don't throw anything at me while I'm preaching. I would appreciate that. Charles Simeon, that's a name you recognize, one of the great preachers, and yet his first church was really, really difficult. You have a man by the name of John Chavis. I was unfamiliar with him. 1763 to 1838, I couldn't actually find a picture of him. But in October 1800, he became the first black man in America licensed to preach by the Presbyterian Church. He would teach both white children who were from very wealthy families and black children in the same room until the white families began to complain and then eventually they were segregated. But he would continue to teach and preach for 32 years until a North Carolina legislature made it unlawful for any person of color to preach or exhort in public or in any matter to officiate as preacher or teacher. After 32 years of public ministry, he suddenly was no longer able to preach. He experienced suffering. You have J.C. Ryle. 1816 to 1900, powerful preacher, popular author. 
1845, he married Matilda. She died in 1848. In 1850, he married Jessie Elizabeth. She died in 1860 and was sick almost their entire marriage. He married again in 1861, a woman by the name of Henrietta, and she would die in 1889. J.C. Ryle, one of the greatest preachers and authors to ever lived, experienced the grief of losing a spouse three times. And the author of that chapter noted that of his five children, only one of them embraced his evangelical faith. He knew what it was like to suffer, to go through turmoil over his family and his children. And then there was C.H. Spurgeon. 1834 to 1892, one of the greatest preachers to ever live. On October 19, 1856, Spurgeon stood as a young 22-year-old man preaching to thousands of people when a prankster yelled fire. And those thousands of people began to panic, leaving seven dead and 28 seriously injured. And that wrecked Spurgeon. For his entire life. The author of that chapter talks about like 35 years later, he got up to preach in front of thousands of people and in that moment could barely preach because he was haunted by that memory from 35 years before. Spurgeon, almost his entire life, faced issues, health issues like gout chiefly, which led to a, long, a lifelong battle with depression. That was something that blew me away when I began to study Spurgeon's life. Literally, one of the greatest preachers to ever live battled depression his entire life. No one, including some of the godliest men and preachers to ever live, is exempt from pain, suffering, and even bouts of depression. And when we study Psalm 42, and we're not going to get into it in great detail this morning, just kind of an overview, but when you study it, you see the psalmist is struggling and maybe this morning you can identify with the writer. You notice the heading there in Psalm 42, the ESV says to the choir master, a masculine, a masculine, right? That word means instruction or teaching. We talked about that last week of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were temple musicians. More than likely in, in my studying this week, Psalm 42 is the psalm and a story of David. Maybe when David was on the run from his son Absalom. The story was given to the sons of Korah and they put it into a psalm. And so as we think about Psalm 42, I just want to draw your attention to three things this morning. Again, just very simple. But in the times in which we're living, look, I understand that there's a lot of people feeling a lot of different things, going through a lot of different stuff than they might normally be going through due to, to all the stuff going on. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Number one, I want to encourage you with this. You need to be honest. This morning, you need to be honest. If you're watching online, you need to be honest. Our circumstances, our suffering have a way of taking a toll on us. Sometimes it'll leave us dissatisfied, disappointed, discouraged, feeling defeated. And all of this can lead to a bout with depression that might last for a day or a week or months or even a year. Look at what David, if this indeed is the story of David, look what David expresses here in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Some of you can say amen. I've been there. That all I did was cry day and night, struggling to sleep, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Look at verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil 
within me. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Many believe Psalm 43 was originally part of Psalm 42 that was then broken into two because you look at Psalm 43, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? The same words of verse 5 and verse 11 in chapter 42. David's depression, if you want to call it that, and by looking at some of his his descriptions, and if you were to study depression and, and how they describe depression, some of the symptoms, they may go side by side, hand in hand together. Notice David's depression here isn't due to sin. I'm not talking about this morning you being down and guilty over sin. Now, Psalm 51, we'll get there. We see David's sin leads to these feelings. But in this particular situation, it's not his sin, but it's what's going on around him. It plunges him into a season where he feels God has abandoned him. He's in the midst of overwhelming circumstances and it's taking a toll on him. I'm going to quote Spurgeon a lot this morning because, again, Spurgeon wrestled with this. Spurgeon referred to his depression as shapeless, undefinable, yet all beclouding hopelessness. He said, My spirits were sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child. And yet I knew not what I wept for. Both David and Spurgeon were honest about their struggles. They cried out to God and they fought their depression with faith. That is key. They fought their depression with faith. David keeps coming back to his faith. Spurgeon over and over kept coming back to his faith in Jesus. But they were honest about their struggles. This morning you need to be honest with yourself. And you need to be honest with God. If this morning you are struggling, whether you're here or online, you are struggling with depression or hopelessness, a melancholy attitude, you, you, you're wrestling with emotional pain, then you first of all need to express that to God. And then secondly, you need to talk to somebody. You don't need to keep that bottled in saying, look, I'm a Christian. I should never have to struggle with these things. David and Spurgeon struggled and they were honest. You need to be honest. Find a family member. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to your Sunday school teacher. Talk to Pastor BJ. Come talk to me. Be honest. If you are in a season where you feel you are wrestling and struggling, whether it's been for a day or weeks or months, if you can read Psalm 42 and you say, that describes me, be honest about that. Remember several weeks ago we talked about the Psalm of Lament and how we can lament. But Please understand, lamenting is different from despair. David, though lamenting here, is not in despair. David begins to remember once again who God is and everything changes. But he's honest about what he's feeling. So the second thing I want you to see this morning is you need to be hopeful. You need to be hopeful. Look at verse 5. Hope in God. 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 11, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Verse 5 of chapter 43, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. There are times that we will be overwhelmed by our feelings. But in those moments when you begin to be overwhelmed by your feelings, you need to be disciplined. David had to learn how to be disciplined. Discipline means, in essence, if you want to boil it down, you're going against your feelings. You say, look, I need to exercise. I know I need to work out, but I don't feel like it. Who does? Can I get an amen? Like, who feels like exercising? But what does discipline say? Discipline says, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Some of you, right, you may be out shopping and you may be like, man, I just want to spend money. Money that you know you don't have. And you say, hey, man, if I just bought this new purse or if I bought this, it would make me feel better. And I'm not singling anybody out before you say, pastor's talking about me. I don't know your personal life that well yet. Give me another year and I might, right? But right, but you're thinking, man, I, I just feel like spending money. But then you remember, hey, we committed to a budget. And though I feel like spending money, I know we don't have it, so I'm going to be disciplined not to give in to my feelings. Listen, you may be feeling this morning depressed. You may feel hopeless, right? You may be just feeling abandoned by God in the midst of your circumstances, but discipline says, I'm going to trust him anyways. I know what I feel, but I also know the power of God's word. So I'm going to go against my feelings, and I'm going to stand on the promises of God. That's hope. Three times David says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Look, we're living in difficult times. I think it's weighed on each of us, uh, maybe the same, maybe some of us more than others. But my family and I, we're going on vacation next week. I need it. I'll just be honest with you. You say, Pastor, you've only been here seven months. I know. But it, these like last four months, you talk to any pastor, and it has just been overwhelming. I think my spirits are still high, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. I just need a little bit of a break, right? Because, because we're in unique times, and it weighs on us, and we're feeling it maybe more than ever. And so in those moments, maybe you're feeling it this morning. Be honest about it, but don't stay there. Put your hope in God, and that leads us to the third thing, some of the, the meat of what we see here, and that is you need help. You need help. We all need help. Some of you, you may need the help of a friend. Some of you actually may need to go talk to a doctor, or you may need that help. But ultimately, our help comes from the Lord. He is our help. Amen? He's our help. So what does David say? Notice number one under point number three. You need to seek the person in the presence of God. Verse one, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This morning, we are all thirsting for something. We are all chasing after something. C.H. Spurgeon writes, What peaceful hours we once enjoyed, how sweet their memory still, but they have left an aching void the world can never fill. We're surrounded by people who have an aching void and they are looking to the things of the world to fill it. And maybe you are too. 
But what does David say? David says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for what? You. God, I want you. I need you. He desired God. He longed for God. This is a strong yearning he had for God himself. In Psalm 63, 1, we read, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. I wonder, I wonder how much different would my life look? How much different would your life look if we constantly yearned for God more than everything else? If God was always, chiefly, the first thing on our minds when we wake up, the last thing on our hearts when we go to bed, how much different would our life look? When your soul is thirsting for the living God, you won't be satisfied with substitutes. When you want God, you won't settle for the substitutes. Jesus, saying to the woman at the well, says these words to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. You can relate to that. Or you can have a, a glass of water or, or whatever else you like to drink, lemonade, sweet tea, and eventually at some point you're going to get thirsty again. You can relate to that. But I think Jesus is also speaking here spiritually. That when you and I turn to the things of the world to fill us, they may fill us for a day or a week. We may enjoy that moment for a month or maybe even a couple years, but eventually we will thirst again. It won't satisfy us. Jesus then says to her, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Are you thirsty? I hope you're thirsty. Are you thirsting after God? I pray you are. And David understood in the midst of his depression, in the midst of the dark night of his soul, Spurgeon understood they had to keep coming back to the person and the presence of God. Keep seeking after God. Number two, seek the praise of God. Seek the praise of God. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. Look at this. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. When you are down and depressed, the last thing you feel like doing sometimes is praising God. But what does David say? He says... And at night, his song is with me. In the dark night of the soul, in some of the darkest nights of David's life, the Lord gave David a song. And David was reminded as he began to praise his God that his God is sovereign over all things, and this includes suffering. Church, hear me. Our God is sovereign. Amen. He is in control. Look what David says at, in verse 7. Do not overlook this. Deep calls to deep at the roar of waterfalls. What word did I skip? Your. At the roar of your waterfalls, God. God's in control of the waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. See, David is reminded that even in the challenges that threatened him, that God is in control even of that. I cannot 
imagine trying to navigate the world in which we live if I did not believe my God was in control? Can somebody testify to that? I mean, I, I just cannot imagine being there. Somebody is sick, and you're just hoping, wishing that somebody may do something that God in heaven may or may not be in control. I, I cannot fathom that. For me, it is so comforting and so assuring to know that my God is on the throne. And nothing is going to derail that. I've shared with you already in the last seven months one of my favorite Spurgeon quotes. But if you're like me, you probably forgot it. So I'll just remind you of it because it's really, really good. He said this, remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. If there was a better place for you than where you are now, God would put you there. You are where you are because God has a purpose. Now again, sometimes we get where we are because of our sin. That's not the issue here in Psalm 42. We'll get to that in Psalm 51. This isn't a sin issue with David. This is just the circumstances of his life. And David gets to the point where he says, yeah, I can still hope in God because he's in control even of this. And then third and finally, seek God with the people of God. Look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. If this is the story of David, if this is the story of David when he's on the run from Absalom, he cannot go to the temple to worship. He's in hiding and so he's thinking back to those days when he could go with the throng, with the congregation, with the people. He lead them in procession to where? The house of God. And there would be shouts and songs of praise. See, one of the struggles for the psalmist here is he's isolated. He is unable to worship God with the people of God. And he longed to be there. That's where he wanted to be. See, when you're depressed... Here's what happens. You often want to avoid people. Those people who are really going through a season of depression on Sunday mornings don't want to come here. Sometimes they may force themselves, but they don't want to come here. Because when you're depressed, when you're down, when you're in the dumps, right, you want to be isolated. But do you know what you need in the midst of your depression? Not to be isolated, but you need to gather but you need to gather with the people of God and again be honest and to say, hey, I barely showed up this morning, but I'm here because we need to be in the house of God together. We need to seek God with the people of God. If you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 2. I just want to encourage you as we close here with, with gospel truth. Because again, you and I even know what David didn't know. Now Spurgeon knew this, but David wouldn't have known the, the whole gospel and how it would play out through Jesus. But David kept coming back to God. Spurgeon kept coming back to the gospel. I've been working through Hebrews chapter 2 really slowly in my quiet time. And just a couple days ago, I was reading verse 14 and following in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, since therefore the children, right, the children, God's creation, share in flesh and blood. He, that is Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things. Jesus took on flesh and blood because flesh and blood can be killed and spilled out. Jesus, when he comes and he takes on flesh in the incarnation, his body can now be killed. That through death, he, Jesus, might destroy 
the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Church, can I give you some good news? Jesus Christ has defeated death and he has defeated the devil. Amen. He is one. He is victorious. So here's the good news. If Jesus has already defeated death and has already defeated the devil, then that means he too can defeat and conquer your depression. There is hope for you. Whether you're coming out of that season or about to enter into it, there is hope. C.A. Spurgeon, let me quote him one more time as we close. He said, I find myself frequently depressed, perhaps more so than any other person here. Like that statement in and of itself is almost baffling to me. But here's this man of God just being honest. I find myself frequently depressed, perhaps more so than any other person here. And I find, listen to him, and I find no better cure for that depression than to trust in the Lord with all my heart and seek to realize afresh the power of the peace-speaking blood of Jesus and his infinite love in dying upon the cross to put away all my transgressions. I don't know if you've noticed, but these psalms seem to kind of be repetitive in some ways. Like they're saying the same things. And what Spurgeon is saying here is I had to keep going back to the same thing over and over and over. And sometimes maybe you think, Pastor, some weeks you're just saying the same thing. You know why? Because I need to hear it over and over and over. And my guess is you probably need to hear it over and over and over as well because you're spending six days of the week out there and only an hour at this point here on our campus. We need to hear it over and over. C.H. Spurgeon, I love this. He said, you might be right. Things are worse than I thought. But Jesus. You might be right. All is lost. But Jesus. You might be right. I may be abandoned. But Jesus. You may be right. I am forfeit. But Jesus. You might be right. I should stay down. But Jesus. You might be right. It would be too late for me. But Jesus. You might be right. I am out of reach. But Jesus. Jesus. You might be right, I am a sinner, but Jesus. You might be right, they might be better off without me, but Jesus. You might be right, I deserve to die, but Jesus. And this morning, if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear the words, but Jesus, written over your life. No matter where you are, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, but Jesus. Whether you are lost this morning, the good news is but Jesus. You can come to faith in Jesus and be saved. This morning, if you're wrestling with things that are going on in your life that are beyond your control, but Jesus, you can be saved. He can deliver you. Will you turn to him? Will you say this morning, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you, O God. Would you close your eyes? bow your head. I'm going to give you a moment right there where you are just to respond to Psalm 42, to respond to this gospel truth that Jesus Christ took on flesh and blood. He became man and he lived a sinless life, died upon the cross and he was raised from the dead 
to give you eternal life. Maybe you're watching from your living room and, and you have never believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Right there where you are, you can reach out to him. You can reach out to him. I pray you'll do that. In the, in the, in the stillness of this moment, would you just, would you just pray... You just pray. Would you just seek the face of God? I'm gonna let you guys remain seated. Curtis came up here. We gonna we gonna sing a song. You got something for us? All right. I don't know if the words will be on the screen. We're gonna throw a little curveball here. Um, but Curtis was just going to sing a little bit, and if you, if you know the words or if they're on the screen and you just want to sing right there where you are, and then after that we have a couple announcements and then we'll, we'll dismiss our service. And I pray that you believe that this morning. Well, if you have your, your bulletins, I want you to pay special attention to some announcements. Chris is going to come. He has an announcement he's going to share. And then when he's done, Pastor BJ is going to come and close us out in prayer. I just want to return to a sense of normalcy. Nothing is more normal around here than doing upward. So we have that coming up soon. And some of you have been praying for gospel opportunities. I hope you've been praying for gospel opportunities. Here's your answer to that prayer. Um, you have an opportunity to share the gospel for a 10-week period to a group of 8 to 10 young people. Um, in two weeks, we're going to have an informational meeting here at church, um, 4 p.m. Um, on a Sunday, Sunday evening. So if you're interested in helping, we need all kinds of volunteers, coaches, assistant coaches, field painters, um, parking lot attendants. There's all kind of jobs you can do that if you're interested in doing that. So if you want to, if you want to get your sense of normalcy back, uh, come to the informational meeting or let me know, send me an email and let you know that you want to, you want to help with that. Thank you. Man, Chris thinks a lot of you are more normal than I do. Really? I know I'm not normal. Um, actually, I want to ask, Ryan, if you'll cut this uh, video feed for just a moment. Um,